This week on The Reverse Stick, Andrew Wilson is with us to talk cups, coaching and commentary. When Twitter is not such a gouda idea. And don't forget, hashtag Livestream Hockey. Greetings and welcome yet again to another episode of The Reverse Stick, number 52. Matt, my co-host, Matt Allen, I'm John Lee. Welcome, folks. <laughs> I'm really cheesed to be, I'm, I mean, I'm really pleased to be here tonight, <laughs> John Cena, opposite you. Uh, we've got lots to talk about again this week, haven't we, buddy? Oh, plenty. There's lots, lots of hockey going on, and the next couple of months are just going to be hockey heaven. There's so much happening. And we've got a great interview to bring you with Mr. Andrew Wilson, uh, one of the coaches of the Spanish women's national team, a club coach at Club Agara, a commentator, a podcaster, and an all-round nice guy. And if you want to know how to hold a clipboard, Andrew's your man. You listen in and you'll find out more. News. And uh, what do we got? Should we kick off with a couple of test games first, with test matches? That Why not, on? John? You've got those uh, in front of you. I, I, I do. Let me see. What have I done? Have Hockey Series Open. We've got that to get to. Koch and Bumper. Oh, here they are. Argentina and Malaysia had a six-game series, and the men, that is, uh, finished up on the 1st of June. Well, mainly the results went in the favour of Argentinians there. They won the first game 1-0, the second game 6-1, then a 7-2 victory, followed by a 2-1 victory. Uh, game 5 was a one-all draw, and the Malaysians got one home in uh, Game 6 there. 2-1 was the um, the result there. Also, so other test matches that have been going on in the last week or so, the Scottish and Irish women have been going at it in Glasgow. That finished up on the 3rd of June. Uh, the first game there was played on the 31st of May, 1-0 in favour of the Irish girls in the first game, uh, 6-2 in the second game, once again in favour of Ireland, and they finished a uh, clean sweep of the series there, 5-1. The Irish ladies over Scotland. So that's what's been going on in the sort of test match arena, so to speak. Great to see for the Irish girls. They've got a national sponsor on board with Softco Group. They've been looking for quite a while to get somebody on board there and have been uh, very active on social media. You've got so a smile on your face that says to me, you're expecting me to say something about that sponsor's <laughs> name, aren't you? Not at all. Okay. Great work, Softco Group. Very good. Moving on. Two events are on at the moment. One just coming to the finals and one just kicking off. And uh, we'll, we'll keep the one kicking off for just a sec because uh, we'll probably have a few things to say about along the way. Now, we've got the South American Games going on in Cochabamba, the 11th version there, and there's an 11-a-side hockey tournament going on. Really grateful of that. Uh, men and women represented there. And after... So far, we've got the pool results anyway. The final places have been decided. Uh, on the uh, men's side of things, Argentina finished top of pool one and Chile finished top of... T- Two. Now the way the finals are working, it's one versus two, two versus three versus four. As far as uh, so, it'll be uh, Argentina will take on Chile for the for the title there. Venezuela will be playing Brazil for three and four. Uruguay will be taking on Peru, and Bolivia will be taking on Paraguay for the uh, final eight standings there. For the women, I think we've got to um, the finals there as well. We have, and. Uh, the final will be between Argentina and Uruguay. Chile and Brazil will play the third and fourth, and fifth and sixth will be Bolivia and Paraguay. Argentina and Uruguay, well, Uruguay topped the uh, Pool B. Uh, pool A was Argentina topped that particular pool. They had three wins, 
uh, two wins and a draw from their three games. I don't know how they're going to go against the Argentinians. They didn't lose a game, uh, scored 34 goals in two that's games. That's a goal, goal difference, that's a plus 34. Yes. <laughs> didn't concede one. Uh, Uruguay scored 13. Only had one against, though. So there should be some competition for the Argentinian girls, but you'd expect them to take things away there. Um, Uruguay, one of those nations on the up on the women's side of hockey in South America. But things are interesting. I mean, you'd expect the Argentinian men to be quite strong, but um, I think that uh, when it gets to the final there, the Chileans might be a bit harder than uh, it might be on the women's side of the draw come the final. Yeah, I think we can expect the blue and white, the Lions and the Lionesses to... Uh, to take home the chocolate. Yeah, there. look, and those games are going on over the next couple of days, so if you can manage to um, translate the Spanish pages and find yourself a live stream, let us know, because we love to hashtag live stream hockey it. Uh, we've had a little bit of difficulty trying to find it when it has been yes. live streamed. It's been on TYC Sports and on BoliviaTV.bo, but it's been pretty inconsistent uh and uh, our eyes on the ground said they couldn't see any cameras there yesterday, so yeah. not entirely sure. And happening. probably by the time you hear this podcast, it'll all be done and dusted anyway, and you'll know the result. Uh, the second competition that's underway, Matt, uh, very interesting one. It is... We've got a Trumpet Herald? Uh, hockey Series Open. The very first the of very the Hockey first. Series Open. And it's currently underway in... Uh, in Mexico, in Salamanca, yeah. in Salamanca, in Mexico, both men and women represented there on the um, the women's side of things. Mexico, Puerto Rico, Canada, Panama, and Guatemala are playing there. There has been a couple of results uh, from that particular tournament. PUR Puerto Rico has uh, beaten Panama eight nil, and Mexico got over the top of Guatemala thirty nil. Uh, I'll be an interesting series, that one on the women's side of things, Matt. And as it will be on the men's side of things, I think you'd have to say, uh, the men playing off there are Mexico, Puerto Rico, the United States, Panama and Costa Rica. It's interesting to see how the FIH ranks in the American men's hockey team versus <laughs> the American women's hockey team. A um, couple of results there. Puerto Rico beat Panama 4-0 and Mexico have beaten uh, Costa Rica 18-0. Now, this is Costa Rica's first ever big tournament it on is. the men's side of things. And coming up next week, we'll have one of the guys there from the Costa Rican team to share his experiences um, on the big stage for Costa Rican hockey. Oh, and, and it's my fault for not checking this, but I believe there was a team at the Cochabamba Games on the women's side of things. Bolivia. Bolivia. Well, first, their first, very first international yeah, first game. first ever international game. Congratulations. Absolutely. There. And that's what a lot of these tournaments are about, is, is doing that sort of stuff. Trying to get, you know, get them better, get the players better. That's right. Okay, 30 mil's not a great look, but you've got to start somewhere, don't you? You've got to start somewhere. Okay, uh, we've also got, so that's the, um, the Hockey Open Series. This is the very first leg of the Hockey Open Series, and, uh, there's no final listed there in the fixtures as such, so obviously they're just going to rank them following the round robin series there. But we have the second round of the Hockey Open Series, or Hockey Series Open, uh, in Singapore, coming up on the 23rd of June, so about three or four weeks away, Hong Kong, Indonesia, Kazakhstan, Malaysia, Singapore and Thailand are playing there on the women's side of things. Interesting to see Malaysia's grouped in there. I would have thought the Malaysian women might be a little bit better than uh, a lot of those other teams named alongside them. But of course the Malaysian women are not part of the Pro League, whereas the men are. Mm. 
Uh, on to the men for the Singapore Hockey Series Open League. Chinese Taipei, Hong Kong, China, Indonesia, Myanmar, Singapore and Thailand. You know what? That could be quite a tight little uh, hockey tournament, that one. Well, Thailand have been on the up, haven't they? Um, and have uh, done quite well in some of those uh, tournaments in Asia of late. Um, sorry, go on. Uh, well, that tournament will be having um, place-ranking games at the end of it, like essentially a finals there. So I'm not sure why that one gets it and the other one doesn't, but there must be a method to the madness. Perhaps we should read all those printouts we have explaining to us how these things work. Well, you know, as Tyron mentioned a couple of weeks ago, there's still some, some international teams that aren't involved um, in the hockey series open, so and it was pretty late coming with the entry for some of them too. So you know, it just they just take the view per event. Well, it, I think even the FIH would have to accept this is pretty hastily thrown together, or appears to be very hastily thrown together. Um, I'm really disappointed. There's been nothing about streaming any of these games or where they can be viewed or anything like that as far as I've been able to ascertain, nothing, which is disappointing. Yeah, nothing as of yet, but who knows? There could be a snap decision and uh, the day beforehand or the people could be working very hard well, on it as we if speak. If you're trying to talk this up as the way that, you know, that nations can advance in the world of hockey and all those sorts of wonderful statements that get made. Dream big, John, dream, dream big. big. Yeah, dream big. Well, you've got to start to stream it and they deserve it as much as the Netherlands and Australia deserve it. That's right. Um, so, that's coming up with the Hockey Series Open. I do, before we start really teeing off, want to do a little bit more research about it. So, in a future episode, we may have words to say and see what happens. Anything else going on? I did see that in England the, the mixed hockey club finals were happening over the weekend, so well done to everybody that took part there. Seemed to be a lot of Who fun at Lee race? Valley. <laughs> that's the important thing in a mixed hockey tournament. Who won the boat race? I, t- I really can't answer that. Uh, we'll have we'll to find out. We'll get that, an inside story. Another, on that. another another discipline. I'm not entirely sure. Um, I know anything about John. You sure? You sure? <laughs> okay. Uh, something we should mention that's coming up very soon. Uh, it's a sad event. Uh, a funeral. The dum, hockey world will be dum, mourning the sad dum, loss of the champions trophy dum, and breeder. I've still got to find Australia. out. What Brilliant. club in Braider has got my my undies Braider, got ripped? Yeah, Braider got ripped off me and, and nailed to the ceiling. They'll be in a landfill somewhere <laughs> if any. Correct. <laughs> anyway, do, do you feel that way about it? Is the Champions Trophy? Is, I I just got this feeling it's nothing to be celebrated. Well, it's it's something that I've grown up with as a as a uh, a bona fide hockey competition. Whether you like the the premise on there's invitational places or you know however it's sort of morphed over the years, it's um, it's certainly a prestigious tournament in in the, the global hockey calendar, isn't it? And for it just to to, to disappear um, is is sad. And uh, I guess you know the the origins of it came out of Pakistan, um, and as we see the demise of um, of the Champions Trophy. Pakistan hockey's in a similar sort of state, isn't it? No, I wouldn't have said so at all. It's not dying. <laughs> We're not about to bury it. We're about to bury the Champions Trophy forever. What a sad day. I, I, I don't know. How would you feel if your name was on the final trophy? Would, would, it, would it be a good... Would you look at back at it proudly or would you look at it with a tinge of sadness go, oh, yeah, it's the last one. I'd, I'd expect uh, t- to take it home. <laughs> you take most of your trophies <laughs> home. I know that. 
I never stay around the club long, do they? Um, Champions Trophy coming up 23rd of June to the 1st of July, so a couple of weeks away. We'll try and get some uh, someone on the inside of the old Champions Trophy. Give us a heads up there about how the players and people participating may feel about the event. Yeah, well, be the FRH probably don't, don't obviously don't care because they're getting rid of it. Talk to someone who does care. Played with a, a tear in the eye of uh, players, coaches and officials and the fans, no doubt. I, I think when the final whistle blows, people should throw roses and dirt onto the pitch. <laughs> OK. Will sand do? Sand will do. Sand pitch. Well, they can yeah, reuse it somewhere else. What else have we got? Is, is that the news done? I think that's the news, isn't it? Oh, we'd better get to our interview. You're listening to The Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. Time for our featured interview. And this week, Matt? So, joining us on The Reverse Stick this evening is Mr Andrew Wilson, direct from Spain. Andrew's got lots to talk about this evening. He's been busy making his commentary debut over the weekend and uh, he's got lots going on with the Spanish national team. Andrew, welcome to the show. Hey guys, how you doing? Very well, sir. Um, peeing down with rain here at the moment, so winter has finally approached for us. Um, a little bit different from the uh, the beautiful sunny weather that you experienced when you were over here earlier in the year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got sounds like we've got similar weather here. Winter doesn't want to leave us at the moment. Yeah, dear. Well, we, to be fair, it was a gorgeous 20 degrees <laughs> over the weekend. But there we go. <laughs> Andrew, so much to talk about. Now, those of uh, those that follow us and follow the hockey live would have seen that we were putting out some live streams from the weekend from the uh, the final four there in Spain and of course you made your commentary debut can you tell us a bit about the the games that were on and and oh, your experience behind the mic so yeah the games uh, this weekend we played the semi-finals for both the men and the women on Saturday at uh, the Polo Club in Barcelona and then on Sunday we played the two finals and um, this year um, there are a couple of surprises about teams who made the final four in both men and women, um, or teams that didn't make it. For example, in the men, uh, Club Agara uh, didn't make it. They won the National Cup earlier on this year. They've been in the final four for years and years and years, so that was quite a surprise for, for the league there. But it wasn't a surprise, for example, that Junior uh, took their place. Junior had a fantastic season in the men, and then they then went on to make the final and lost on shootouts. Um, and in the women, perhaps the surprise entry was uh, Real Sociedad from the north of Spain. But also not quite a surprise because they play the, the knockout games really, really well. I mean, their league season was quite average. They only won four games out of the entire regular season. Uh, but because we have a quarterfinals playoff system in Spain, the top eight teams go through and play each other. And uh, quarterfinals over two games means that you've got two opportunities to get through to the final four, which is really nice. I think it uh, reflects the international competition, well, the previous international competition mm-hmm. quite well, and um, and really helps everyone to get to know how to play elimination games. It makes it far more exciting as well. Now, of course, this was your first time uh, commentating and. Uh in Spanish, very impressive. Didn't understand a bloody word that you were saying. Um, but what what was that like for you as, a, as as first time to take on that kind of role? It was amazing. I've wanted to do it for ages. Uh, I'm telling you the truth. I've I've listened to people commentating uh, for for several years now, and I've always wanted to to get involved because 
um, I think I can do a good job. I think I've got quite a quite a bit of knowledge to, to add to, to give some colour to the commentary. And um, I was really excited when, when I was told I was going to do it. In actual fact, I originally wasn't down to do it. Um, the idea was that if Polo made the final in the women, that I'd do it, because the, comment, the guy doing the co-commentary is from Polo. And in the end, um, they didn't make the final, but then he had to go and do the Catalan version of the commentary, so I did the Spanish version. And it was... Um, made really easy because the guy leading uh, the commentary was so good at his job just uh, doing the basics of filling in who's passing the ball to who uh, the action that's going on and he just give natural pauses which were easy to pick up on and just to just to flow into with information about uh, what's going on tactically what uh, why teams have been uh, playing like this uh, according to how they've been working throughout the season uh, predictions, what they're going to do in the next quarter. It was, oh, it was really exciting. Fantastic. Andrew, is there anything that once you were in that seat and it was all going really surprised you that you weren't expecting? Um, I think um, the the poor view that we had of the pitch. Um, <laughs> we were we were on we were right next to the dugouts um, uh, on on the pitch, but we weren't higher up, so. We couldn't see uh, the corners on our side of the pitch, so oh. I'd have to be looking at the monitor every so often to see what was happening. Um, that was that was the real surprise that we weren't given a, a more elevated position. Um, but I, I also was slightly surprised that I wasn't caught out on certain players' names as well, because. Um, well, I coach in the league, and uh, I'm one of the one of the national team coaches. There are players who come from outside the country, uh, or players who come up from second teams that don't make such a big impact on their team. Uh, so, as a coach, when you're playing your game, you don't really pay too much attention to them because they don't have that much effect. So, I was surprised when I didn't. I wasn't caught out by having to say their names. I could get around that quite easily. And and the guy doing the commentary was, was really good at that as well. Well, you just I was just wondering, I've just made a little note here. What's Spanish for crash ball? Uh, pelotato. Did you ever use it? Uh, <laughs> uh, th- deliberately thinking of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't have known. <laughs> But I, there were many instances, uh, for example, I commented about uh, the fact that Junior, when they were getting to uh, Real Sociedad's um, 20, uh, what do you call it in English, 25-yard uh, zone, the, yeah. the final quarter, the attacking final quarter, um, they were getting down to the right-hand side and they were just hitting balls into the circle and they were either going flat and being picked up or going too high. Uh-huh. And in that moment, I made a comment about it, uh, but I deliberately didn't use crash scores <laughs> thinking of you guys. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> We've made some kind of impact, I guess. So you mentioned the Spanish <laughs> national team there, and obviously one of the coaches that are involved. Uh, we've got a big, a big event coming up very soon, and no doubt the plans are all in place for you guys. So what, what's happening with the national setup at the moment? So right now, this week, We've got a week off from training. Uh, we've just come out of a phase where we did some performance centre sessions in Barcelona and Madrid because we had the group uh, divided um, across the country. And uh, last week we did our final two sessions with the players who 
didn't qualify for the final four just to do some corner work and some technical work with them. Uh, this week, the girls and the staff get a free week so that we can just relax and recharge our batteries because lots of the staff work with club sides as well because economically it's what you need to do in Spain if you want to dedicate yourself to this sport. Um, and on Monday, we go to Madrid to play a five-game series against India. We go straight from Madrid to London to play on the World Cup pitch against England. Then we got two days off and we go to Holland to play four nations against uh, China, Japan and Holland. Then we get ten days off. Uh, we go back to Madrid and we play three games against Canada. And then we travel to London, I think on the 17th of July. We play a friendly against the States and then we start our, our first game uh, against Argentina on the 22nd. Wow, that's a lot of hockey, Andrew. Are you training all through that period as well? How much during those passages where you're playing games are you training? Um, we depends what you define as training. We'll be on the pitch. We'll be doing lots of corner work, especially uh, the girls who aren't selected for games will do uh, training sessions on uh, in the group of four or five of them uh, with one of the with one of the coaches. Um, and we will have occasionally um, a session where we uh, maybe play a little bit um, but the real focus at this stage is just on gameplay and uh, specific situations that we're going to find in the competition we've just come out of the phase where we've been doing a lot of technical work in, especially in circles and that was our focus from about January up until now and because we've got so many games, a lot of our time has just got to be spent recovering um, and making the most of the time that we're recovering to do uh, meetings, look at video, um, do corner sessions, shootouts, and uh, a bit more static work. I was going to mention the video there. Would you be trying, watching more video than you would actually be having time with hockey sticks in your hand at that stage? Um... No, because we don't want to, to overload the girls too much on that uh, aspect. Um, they know quite a bit about the oppositions already because uh, we've been feeding them information. Uh, we have, um, uh, for example, we have uh, uh, groups that uh, on the internet uh, through different servers that we send clips to the girls and they uh, look at the opposition in their own time. Um, we may, for example... Uh, I'm looking at Argentina. I've been uh, looking at two of their games against uh, Great Britain from uh, a couple of months ago today, taking out clips uh, to then compare that to, for example, India. Uh, so things that India might do that are similar to Argentina, so the girls can then put it into practice. But we try and limit the amount of video that we're going to do just uh, because it's so full on, uh, especially this first phase. You mentioned just just a moment ago about the players being divided across the country. You know, we've spoken about this sort of offline, but can you give the listeners a bit of an idea about what that division is on players? And it's you know, it's not just necessarily everybody all together at the same time. Yeah, because uh, Spain is uh, it's, uh, quite a big country compared to my home country of England, where the girls are uh, all centralised. 
Um, and we have two performance centres, uh, one in Barcelona and one in Madrid, where the majority of national league clubs are in, in Spain. Um, and the majority of our players, uh, through the from the seniors right down to the under 16s, are in performance centres uh, which work midweek at lunch times. Um, so the seniors will be working between one and three times a week in those performance centres, depending on uh, the time of season. Um, but we also have players uh, in the north of Spain who don't have access to performance centres, so we have to coordinate with their clubs so that maybe they're training, uh, doing extra sessions with their coaches, or maybe they're training with boys, maybe under 18s, or the men's twos, or the men's ones, depending on the club. Um, and a couple of times a year, they'll come uh, go down to Madrid, those girls. And then we also have players in, uh, we've got a couple of players in Holland, in Germany, and in Belgium, who, similarly to the girls in the north of Spain, have to um, add in extra sessions with uh, with their club or normally with the boys teams uh, so that everyone's working to the same the same principles and the same loading so that club support's very important to make it all come together for you it's key um, the 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 way that the politics are set up in Spain is that um, all decisions regard with regards to league structure and uh, and anything that the Spanish Federation has to do or wants to do has to be approved by the clubs at the General Assembly. Uh, whereas I believe in England, for example, England hockey can almost do what they want, which is a very generalised way of saying it. Um, I don't know about other federations, but in Spain, the clubs have to approve uh, every action that we do. Um, uh, so they approve budgets, they approve everything. Um, so in that regards, we have to have a, a really good relationship with the clubs, and especially the the coaches and the team and the staff of the teams, so that we can do everything we want to do with them. So we've gone through different phases since uh, since we came into the team in 2013. Uh, we go through different phases where we give more leeway or less leeway to, to the clubs um, uh, because we know that at some point we're going to need their support with the players that both of our teams use. Um, and that's um, a very delicate situation. We're very lucky that Adrian um, was a, Adrian, the head coach, was a club coach. Or actually during his tenure at the beginning as a national team coach so he knows all the coaches that there are and he constantly has meetings with them and asks them if they need anything from us uh, ask, and uh, talk, talk about the players how they're working within the clubs and I think uh, the communication that Adrian especially has with the, with the clubs but also our physios and our fitness coach is vital just to make sure everyone's on the same page. And the great thing is that lots of the club coaches have also worked internationally at some point, or they know, or they have family members who have done, who have worked internationally or played internationally. So they know what's needed, um, and they know uh, what players have to do if we want to win something internationally. And the men's side of things, uh, I understand, it's a little bit more difficult. Um, there's a little bit more resistance from clubs about uh, players going to do performance centre sessions. Uh, they're a bit more protective of their of their players and information regarding injuries that they may have, that which may be shared because of their activity with the national team, uh, which for me is completely ridiculous. 
Um, I think it's counterproductive to getting Spanish hockey uh, to, to move it on in the world. Um, but um, it seems to be just a couple of individuals, a couple of uh, certain coaches who are successful in their own right. And uh, the problem being in, with the, lots of players have contracts with their clubs, but they also have contracts with the national team. Uh, and some even, for example, had contracts with the Indian Hockey League. Um, so there are lots of conflicts there. Who has priority yeah. and at what time of year, uh, according to the contracts? Andrew, I take it th- this would mean that as a, a coaching staff, you'd prioritise certain events, knowing that, a, like a World Cup, for example, you want all your best players available at the time for a World Cup. In those, perhaps... Off times when there's not a, a bigger prize to play for, does that mean that you're going to the, the next tier pool of players? Mm, we deliberately invite a large group of players to, to training camps. For example, now on Monday we reduced the group from uh, 24 to 22, and then in a couple of weeks' time we reduced that to 20 uh, for the final push for the World Cup, uh, and. We try and do that to to give the younger players a chance to to get games. Uh, for example, historically we see German teams, especially German men's teams, who from competition to competition you'll see names on the list that you've never seen before. <laughs> played 30 games, and you know where's this guy come from? And he's incredible. Um, and we wanted to follow that model, but with our twist on it. Um, so we have girls who haven't been selected for uh, next week's camp and uh, the following phase, but we, they're very important for the next few years, and they've got 30 games already under their belts. Um, now, that means that, uh, for example, uh, last summer, uh, we played without Gigi in our squad, Gigi being one of our more experienced players. Uh, we played the Europeans without Luti uh, or Gigi, so, and they're two of our captains as well. Um, and that allows, that gave us a chance to, to get new players into competitions. I think last year we played three competitions and we never took the same team. Uh, the team is very similar, but we got new players in and we got players who now have a world three under their belt or euros under their belt or a world or a round two under their belt. And that means that, uh, after the world cup, if we have retirements or, uh, after the Olympics, if we have retirements, we got players who have got 30, 40, 50 games just ready to, to transition in. You mentioned uh, players like Gigi there. Does that also lessen the load on them as well and perhaps keep them fresher to continue longer? Yeah, definitely. And we were talking about this the other day. Uh, we, were, um, we were just looking at some research about uh, injuries uh, that players often receive during their international career. And one of the papers that we were looking at uh, highlighted the beginning and the end of players' careers are when they often pick up most injuries. At the beginning being because their bodies aren't necessarily adapted to the training load uh, and at the end because often there's um, maybe they're trying to do too much and they're trying to maintain that same volume of, excuse me, that same volume of training but they're not capable of doing it. But also there's an emotional uh, baggage that comes with being an international player and the mental health of, uh, of the girls is, is key. You know, Gigi last year didn't play with us because she needed a break. She was working uh, and she was playing in Holland and we decided that it was better that she had the summer off 
to then come back into the side in she came back in November I think uh, to then push on to the Olympics uh, it's, 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 it's really important to, to manage players in a different way and we were talking about our performance centre next year about maybe uh, we were just throwing ideas out there do all the girls have to do all the sessions midweek or do the older players who have played X number of years or have uh, and we'd individualise cases do they need to be doing three sessions a week could they just do two and that third session they do just some mobility work or they go and do their job their day job I think uh, the injury that most international hockey players carry away from their their career is uh, to their wallet I think that cops <laughs> the biggest hit but that's another story yes well, that, you know, that sounds fantastic. What, what I love when we talk to you, Andrew, is there's a, a certain cerebral nature towards your, um, and, and insight into the coaching side of things. Now, of course, you, uh, you do the Frank Hockey podcast, which we talk about lots on the show here, and there's a lot of people that listen to this show also listen to, uh, the Frank Hockey podcast, but of course, some people don't listen to the Frank Hockey podcast, so can you let the listeners know what that's all about and some of the people that you've had on there? I have to say that was an incredible, incredibly professional transition there. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever praised him for a segue. <laughs> um, the Frank Hockey podcast is um, a show that I thought about setting up early last year, early 2017. Um, I've I wanted to give something back to to the hockey community uh, on a big scale for for several years now um, and that's that's really why I coach is I just want to give back to, to the hockey community and I found that I enjoy doing it at a high performance level and so that's why I've dedicated the last nine almost ten years of my life to, to high performance coaching because I just want people to enjoy watching good international hockey um, and the Frank Hockey podcast came about because I thought well am I reaching enough people and I just wanted to to try something else, I wanted to um, get people in touch with um, high-performance coaches um, so that they can get an idea of what the processes are going into developing a team, developing uh, a staff. And so we do every every week, over eight weeks, we do uh, between 40 to an hour minute uh, worth of show and then we have three weeks off uh, so that I can start preparing the next series and also have a break myself um, and then we get back into it so for example after we have this conversation now I'm going to go to the airport to take a friend and I'll come back and I'll record this week's uh, and uh, this week's show which is the last in this series and we've had some some fantastic guests so far we've had uh, Danny Carey, Adrian Locke, uh, Jamie Mulders, uh, Yannicka Shopman, Dave Passmore uh, Danny Newcomer, I mean, we've had loads, but at times it's difficult to to get coaches uh, or other performers involved because of time constraints, uh, because everyone's everyone's busy, um, and we're working on different uh, in different time zones as well. So sometimes I have to do what I call a pocket podcast. So I will review or just. Um, uh, present a resource that has inspired me 
to a greater extent in my development as a coach. So we've done two so far. We've looked at two books, one about uh, winning uh, winning attitudes and uh, the other one about uh, periodization of your training. And really, I just want to give back to the hockey community uh, just to say thank you because um, I've been part of a hockey playing family since I was in the womb. Uh, and my whole life has been surrounded by hockey. I am what I am because of hockey. Uh, the, pe- the best people I know uh, come from hockey, and I just want to say thank you to everyone. You just said from in the womb. What's big shout out to uh, to Dad's club, if you don't mind? Old Baldinian Hockey Club uh, down in Kent in England. Um, it's uh, the uh, the men's playing in Kent Sussex Regional Div 2 or Div 1 I think uh, I haven't been there for uh, quite a few years now because I've been out in Spain um, and the family is fully involved my dad's the chairman um, my mum's the secretary and plays in the first team um, my sister's the, the ladies captain um, uh, her husband well no fiance will be husband soon uh, plays in the men's first team um, their child will Definitely <laughs> play hockey. My, bro- my brother doesn't play hockey because he works abroad uh, now. So yeah, we, we're fully involved with the hockey community. Now we we love all the stories about the hockey family. So for those that don't know, what how did you end up in Spain and and take taking on a role coaching there? So I um, I did a year abroad for university uh, back when I was uh, studying. I was studying Spanish, um, and I. I had the choice of either working, studying, or being part of the uh, English English language assistance program from the British Council. And uh, I chose the latter because it was easiest. I didn't want to study. I uh, couldn't be bothered to find a job, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, and through that, I had to find, I had to put three regions of Spain where I'd like to work. And so I put Barcelona, Madrid, and Valencia where I knew there was hockey just in case I got posted somewhere. But the posting was completely random. And I happened to be posted 30 minutes away from Terrassa. Um, so I did a bit, and I had come to Terrassa in 95 for the, champ- I think it was 95 for the Champions Trophy here. So I knew of two clubs here. And I just wrote to the clubs and um, didn't get a reply uh, because uh, uh, it's difficult to get a reply over the summer uh, from Spanish hockey clubs because people go on holiday. Um, and then I phoned them up and one of the clubs said, call us when you get here in September, which was quite disappointing. Um, another club didn't even pick up the phone. And Club Igara uh, happened to have their new director of hockey moving into his office as I was calling. So And he said, yeah, come, we'll give you a team, we fight, we, uh, you can play a bit. And it just snowballed from there. Um, I, I actually had a really bad first season. I didn't enjoy it at all because it's difficult to, to break into the hockey community here because although Terrace has it's got 200,000 people in it, it's got uh, five, four national league clubs, sorry. Um, oh. But they're so, they're very closed off in their own community and it's difficult to break in. And I was actually about to leave after six months. Uh, and I had my hand on the, the, the door to the office of the director of hockey. 
and he saw me and went, oh, can you come in? Uh, yeah, well, I wanted to come in anyway. So he started talking and, want, and offered me a job for the following year um, because they, they liked how I worked. So I said, well, uh, I'll think about it because uh, I'm going away uh, for a week. Um, and my thought process was that a European club has just offered you a job. Now, at this time, the men's first team had nine of the Spanish silver uh, silver medalist uh, team from Beijing in the in their team. Um, I was currently at that point assistant coach to the men's twos, and we had five Spanish under 21s in there because they couldn't make they couldn't get into the first team because the first team was so good. Um, and I said, even if you have a terrible year, you can say to people that you've done it. And you've gone, you worked with a, club, a Spanish club, a European top club that wants you to coach for them. And once I made that decision, actually things changed. Uh, I changed flats. I moved in with a couple of guys from the club and I started to really enjoy myself. Um, I moved back to England to do my, to finish my degree and I actually came out for a hockey festival with the university in Spain and I decided to come back and say hi to everyone while I was here. And I sat down with, with the two directors and said, look, next week I've finished, uh, I've got my final exam. I said, in two weeks I can be back here if you want me to. And they said, well, that's a bit, <laughs> we haven't finished the season yet. Uh, we'll call you in May. And they called me. And I haven't looked back since. I've been here um, coming on for 10 years in, in August. Could you imagine, going back a few years, that the path that it would take you, that you'd be sitting there pit side and actually doing the commentary in Spanish? It was. Yeah, it ran through my mind when when I was offered it. I thought this is this is crazy. Uh, the, the, first of all, the fact that you can speak Spanish and you're able to do commentary in Spanish is just mental. Um, but in the fact that you uh, you've managed to create this world for yourself and create this path for yourself, uh, I was. It, it was one of my definitely one of my happier moments to be able to reflect. Uh, reflect back uh, over the weekend on how far I've come. I, I think it's a great story and I think there's inspiration there for not just young coaches but coaches the world over. Do you, uh, you know, it's a bit trite but have you got a message for people that you know, maybe feel a bit restricted in their own boundaries You know what, what they can do across the world? So I, my advice to coaches is to be brave and give it a go. Uh, you never know what's going to come of it and often um, we stop ourselves from taking these uh, these leaps, or the or because we think they're huge leaps, and we may fail from them. But in the end, you're just going to learn, and you've always got your support group back at home that you can uh, fall back on if you need to, and and you take another step forward in the future. Give it a go because you it's it's going to be something to tell your grandkids in the end. Andrew, you've been a player. You've been a coach at an international level. Now you're a television media personality. Any chance you're going to cross to the dark side and become an administrator? <laughs> um, not yet, no. I've got no plans. It hasn't crossed my mind at all. Keely Dunn hasn't sent you an email saying if you'd like to trot out as an umpire at one stage? No, no, no. I've got... Uh, I'm quite happy just to co- uh, to umpire the girls in their training sessions. That's good enough for me. Very wise, man. Very wise. Now, Andrew, the Frank Hockey Podcast, where can people find it and where can they have a listen? 
So you can pick it up on the Frank Hockey website, which is frankhockey.com. It's F-R-A-N-C-H-O-C-K-Y. And um, you can always pick it up on SoundCloud as well, just searching for the Frank Hockey Podcast or on the iTunes uh, uh, podcatcher as well. That's fantastic. And you're also on the Twitter and Facebook stuff as well. There's links to it there, Andrew. Yeah, so on uh, my Twitter, which is Andrew87Wilson, and also on Instagram, and also Frank Hockey UK also uh, tweets it out as well. Now, I reckon you could be on to a winner with uh, some of the reviews that you're doing about books, because I noticed on Twitter this week that there was actually a sale came out of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, Tansy. That's right. So, uh, TRS World, hashtag TRS uh, World 11. He wants to pick up the standard of the of the TRS uh, oh. World Hockey 11. <sighs> well, we don't want to pick up the standard of it. <laughs> I, I, I do actually have a question for you, Andrew, because uh, as the nominated coach of the TRS World 11, I wanted to ask, actually, I wanted to ask Andy, Andy Lock, as, because he's the head coach there. Exactly, what's the correct angle to hold your your file at your clip file? Clipboard. Clipboard. Um, yeah. It depends if you really want the players to see what you're drawing or not. <laughs> Fair enough. I, it's more the effect. You know, is, it, is there a way I can hold it that may, the players know that I'm I'm really being serious about things? Yeah, you got to get it so the sun just. Flat, uh, flashes off into certain players' eyes and you capture it. <laughs> well, John thinks he's onto a winner with his hairstyle anyway, due to emulating AD. <laughs> Look, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. We wish you and the Spanish girls every success at the upcoming World Cup. Obviously, lots and lots of hard work ahead of you there, and we look forward to catching that online. I think this week we're actually going to do a giveaway of that wonderful signed pennant as well we received uh, um, from you when you were over. Oh, lovely. Oh, that's fantastic. So uh, that'll be something we'll, we'll announce that a little bit later on in the oh. show. <laughs> Will we? Have <laughs> you announce it now? Yeah, let's announce it now. Okay. Come on, John. Come on, John. Keep up. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew, thanks for joining us, champ. We'll speak soon. Cheers, guys. It's a real pleasure. Keep up the good work, and I'm looking forward to tomorrow's episode. And that was Andrew Wilson, the assistant coach to the Spanish women's hockey team here on the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. It was great talking to him, wasn't it? Good it chat. Was Look, super, super to chat. Um, sorry to drop that on you. We we're going to do the giveaway for the for the pennant, the signed pennant by oh, the, yeah. Spanish, the Spanish women's team. Um, <laughs> what? Well, it's sitting in my office at home at the moment. I thought, you know, <laughs> just have, having a chat with Andrew, why not? Um, we'll come up with an idea on how to win that by the end of the show, um, you know. Keep listening, and <laughs> we'll work it out in one of the breaks. <laughs> we will. What's caught your eye on the hockey world this week? What has caught my eye on the hockey world? Well, a few things, actually. Um, You've got a list there. Yeah, I've got a good list. Um, interesting to see that Craig Fol- Fulton stepped down in his from the role of the Irish men's head coach, uh, you know, only a few months out from the World Cup. Mm-hmm. After making great progress um, with the side there over the past couple of years, Um and as, as soon as the announcement was made and there was much shock across Ireland, within 24 hours he was announced as, um, or appointed as the assistant coach for the Belgian men's side. Well, <laughs> so you know, he's a man with a plan, quite obviously. Yeah, and I think in the world of hockey, where opportunities and remuneration is limited, when a certain opportunity arises, you've got you to jump at it. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's just the, the nature of the beast at the moment. I mean, as I hard as that might be for people on either side of that, intimately involved with that might feel it is. I think the, the opportunity probably presented before uh, well, before Craig stepped away from the role there. But, you know, well, better he did it that way around rather than accepting the role as the assistant coach and then two days later saying he wasn't going to do the job he's yeah. Um, well, whilst in that part of the world as well, I know that there's still no replacement in England or GB for Bobby Crutchley. Um, I did read, I think in the hockey paper, that Russell Garcia will be standing in for a GB men tour of oh. Europe coming up. So that job's up for grabs. So oh, the Irish men's, the English men's. If you do want the Irish men's job, there uh, there's tweets about it. Oh, is it Facebook or tweets if someone's posting up there with a link? So you can, yeah, why not? As Andrew Wilson said, why not have a crack? Be brave. Have a go. Be brave. Be brave. I reckon they could do with a two-prong coaching approach. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd say a, a tall bloke with dark hair and a not quite as tall bloke with blonde hair. They could probably do it. Uh, what else? Hockey for Heroes. Hashtag Op Endure finished off at the weekend. I think Canterbury was the yep. final day of the, the eight-day challenge. That obviously, we spoke to Joel Forrester, the MD of Hockey for Heroes, last week on the show. Fantastic. Um, so, yeah, well done to all the ladies and the support team there. And, of course, thank you to the sponsors that got involved. Colgate, Hawkins Sport, and a few others. Sorry, I can't remember off the top of my head, but really fantastic effort there. And, of course, the very first um, ball for Hockey for Heroes in Birmingham will be coming up um, in a month or two's time yeah, saw the posts. Yeah, check, check them out on Twitter and on Facebook uh, of course you can go to our social media accounts Facebook, Twitter, Instagram all at the reverse stick and you'll be able to find the links there for them uh, what else? Oh, we missed it out last week and I just wanted to make a note of it um, from the wash-up from EHL, the sort of the winners on losers. We talked about um, inter- um, nations either gaining spots oh, or yeah, losing yeah, spots yeah. related to how their teams have, yep. um, have taken part. And so we picked this up off EHLHockey.tv. Scotland and Belarus were the big win- winners. And, of course, this is the men's side of things, Euro Hockey League. Uh, Grange's victory in the Euro Hockey Club Champions Trophy last week. Um was a result to lift Scotland up one place in the rankings into eighth space. That means that Scotland get two spaces in the EHL next season, uh, whilst Ireland, uh, they drop from sixth place to ninth, see their quota reduced to one place. So there's only one Irish side that will be appearing in EHL next year. Um, Belarus um, also prospered with Hockey Club Minsk's third place at the trophy event. Um, which uh, meant that it lifted them above Wales to, um, into 12th on the ranking, so that gives them an extra spot there. Uh, other movers, France moved up to an all-time high fifth place, overtaking England uh, in the rankings, and Russia also moved up a place to seventh. Uh, so that now sees the Netherlands, Germany, Belgium, Spain, all with three places apiece. France, England, Russia and Scotland with two, and Ireland, Poland, Austria and Belarus all with one. So uh, a little bit of movement. And so, you know, it's important uh, in those sort of competitions that it's not always about who wins the competition. There's lots of other tiered things going on. It's about those final placings, and it can have a big impact on your nation's clubs the, the next year. Oh, definitely. You're not just playing for your own club team pride. It's almost your national pride, isn't it? That's right, yeah, yeah. Um, I did get, what did we get? There was um, something popped up about a gentleman in Tasmania. Thousand games. A thousand games. Uh, currently playing for the, the Wombats. Um, 
So, you know, the gents are getting on a little bit, you know, much like ourselves, maybe a little bit older than us. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't matter who you play for, when you play there, a thousand games of hockey yeah. uh, is no mean feat, is it? Incredible. Um, Great I'll, performance. I'll, I'll find his name in a minute, John. It's, uh, but look, you, you can check check that out. There's um, some good articles online about that. Uh, what else have we got, Chick, mate? What have you got on your list? Uh, Mo Furster, retired yep. from club hockey, UHC Hamburg. He had a loss in his final game for uh, club hockey in Germany. Um, but what a great servant to the game. What a character. What a player. Oh, yeah, great player. And I don't think it's the last we'll be hearing of him in hockey circles somehow. Well, of course, you did ask Andrew about his... Uh, does he have any intentions to move into administration? <laughs> I, could, uh, I can fully see uh, Mo taking a step in that direction. You reckon? Mm, yeah, Not a board holder? Not an umpire? Uh, no, I think we might find him on a few boards okay. fairly soon. You might even see him at, in Dubai at the National Congress, at oh, the yeah. International Congress. It's, uh, Are you hearing something? No, 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 no. I've, I tell just, you, mate, I've heard, rumor-mongering, oh you? my God, the things that I heard on Friday night, if only I remembered half of them. Oh, you had the, uh, we'll get to that later on, the idea, yeah, we'll get to that later on. We'll get through more hockey stuff first, shall we? Might just have a quick break. Ah, that was our new sting, I don't know why I played it. But we'll like keep going. Good opportunity to there have. Was, why not? <laughs> a break. Are we actually going to have a break? Because we didn't have a break. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What else have we got? Um, well, one thing I did spot yesterday. Um, they're very busy in Odisha at the moment, and of course yeah. in BBI and Babaneshwar, uh, the hosts for the Men's World Cup coming up later in the year in December in India. I did note that Dr. Batra and Elena Norman. Uh, very busy on the ground in meetings with various uh, officials in Odisha and all making a plan to putting on you know the the spectacle that is the Men's World Cup nice to see Dr. Bactra there and involved I'm not quite sure which role he was there involved and I imagine he was there in an official FIH capacity um, you know dotting all the uh, the I's and crossing the T's just just an idea to throw off at you. What do you think is more important for successfully hosting an event such as the uh, the, the Hockey World Cup? Um, selling tickets, and tickets are on sale now, John. Okay, what what would be what would be a more important consideration? Well, give he- us some he- options. Healthy healthy food and clean drinking water, or dancing girls and um, fireworks. I would think that there is great focus at this particular time on water cleanliness. And dancing girls. <laughs> and uh, closing down every pizza shop in town. <laughs> um, you know, I've heard from people, there are no pizza shops there. Uh, but there must be, because there's teams were ordering in pizza. Well, maybe that maybe that's a problem. Officially, there are no pizza stores. Ah, they're black market black pizza. Market pizza. <laughs> There's no such thing as a pizza waller. <laughs> no, probably not. Um, sh- should we? Well, look, we're, we're talking about food. We're talking about India. That's Let's it. Let's talk about Indian food. Why not? Well, I've got to say, my favourite dish is uh, chicken tikka patia. Um, I make a mean one myself, but I've managed to get our local restaurant down the road to make it only for me. So if, if you're ever in the uh, the vicinity of the 
the Curry Club in uh, Hilton near Fremantle. Just go in and ask for a mat special. You won't be disappointed. And you've heard it here live on the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. Um, we mentioned the, the the article that appeared in the Times of India last week. We did, yeah. Um, uh, well, I've got it here in front of me. Uh, the the article player driven game plan didn't work. Sri Jesh. I can never pronounce the guy's name properly. Sri Jesh. Apologies, yeah. It's written by Manuja Virappa. And uh, we, we did talk about it last week, and this is the one where Sri Jesh is quoted as saying, uh, most of the 48 players in the camp have played under Harendra, sir, so we know what he expects of us. It is like homecoming for us. About the differences now, firstly, there is no need of a translator anymore. It is easy to discuss issues with him, and even the juniors find him very approachable. He makes players comfortable, and that works well for the team. He's also quoted as saying, in India, we're used to the routine of following the teacher. That's how most of us grew up. If he shows me the way, I'm willing to walk. That said, I won't shy away from asking questions which can make me a better player. For example, if he draws a picture, I can help him paint it so it looks better. But he can't ask me to draw the picture and he'll paint it. It won't work. He should have an idea on how we're going to play and we help him make it beautiful. And he goes on to say he wasn't looking to criticise people, but there there are many he could point fingers at, including myself. So I'm not criticising anybody, but I could be really having a sting if I wanted to. Um, he talks about taking collective responsibility, etc., etc. Now, of course, Jordan Rayner said he was looking for a, a player-driven culture in, in, in the team, and that's one of the things he was trying to instil. Now, Matt, from here it gets a bit fuzzy from me. A tweet has appeared... <laughs> From from Shord Monanya. Yep, from his, and it, this is his actual account. His, his it's not account, a parody account. It, it's definitely him. Had to share this question from a journalist. So this is June the fourth. This popped yeah. up. Uh, a, a grumpy face. Is that grumpy or uh, angry face? No, that's gritted teeth. Gritted teeth face. <coughs> it's got a. <coughs> that's annoying. <coughs> Hashtag amazing. <coughs> Hashtag amazing. Okay. What is it? Amazing. No, I think that one's amazing. Yeah, anyway, mate. Oh, who knows? Sri Jesh said that there so was. So, do you think we could a, just do a, sh- a show on vocalising emojis? No. No. Okay. Oh, right, go on, let's on. get back to hockey carry for on. a second. Okay. Now, Shord was asked a question from a journalist, and the journalist said to him, "Sri Jesh, Sri Jesh, sorry, <laughs> said that there was a language barrier between you and the men's team players." He had stated that you eat cheese and Harendra eats rice and dal, and that is why he can understand the team more than you do. Well, well, I'm I'm just a bit concerned that Sheard's not eating his cheese the right way, and he's sticking it into his ears because that's the only reason as I can ex- I can understand why there would be a, a greater level of understanding based on diet. Oh, yeah. Look, it's now I. I'm not sure where that quote comes from. I'm led to believe it was coming from the same source as the story, the quotes that I just yep. read from you, that story. But if you go to that story, it's not in there. So I've, I, someone on that there, please let us know exactly where that quote from Shredesh comes from because we'd like to understand that a little bit better. When I was reading the story, there's a couple of things about those quotes. Like, you know, I didn't like the idea he said we we're, we like to be led. We're followers. We're not leaders. That mm. was a bit. Yep. That was that was quite interesting. Um, but what was really surprised me is that a Morania went public through a Twitter feed. 
to vent his frustration at that question being asked on, which I can understand why he would have. And some of the postings after he made that, uh, well, would you make know, would quite you clear that it was a stupid thing to say. It is a stupid thing to say, but is it not best practice just to just let it lie and just yeah. not get involved? And what I find amazing with this, the Twitter feed is there's quite a few comments, and I will share a couple of those in oh, a minute yeah, from different people. But is that should has got fully engaged and is responding and answering to things that are people are popping up. Um, yeah, uh, just leave it. Just like that, the fellow who went over to Pakistan to do the uh, the strength and conditioning coaching. Yeah, yeah. Um, the first couple of questions that he got asked by people was like, "Nah, this is too difficult. Delete the account. Off we go." Oh, now yeah. there seems to be some kind of um, cross the bear here with Stuart. Um, well, he's not happy, obviously. No, nah, well, it, you wouldn't come out and, and make a point of that if you if you were happy about it, or would would you? Yeah, it just seems like a really at this particular time to be a really strange thing. Well, some of the the, res, the replies are interesting. There's obviously people there that you know it, it's not going to matter what because Short's from overseas. He was doomed from the very beginning. What's 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 interesting is the very first comment is. Um, from a former international Pakistan player. Um, so that's Adnan, the, the top one there. Elite coaching isn't a piece of cake. If you fail to make a good, solid connection with your team, then these questions have always been raised. Mental well-being is the key. All coaches work really hard on team technical and physical fitness session and ignore team mental fitness. Then Sherd responded to that with, did I ever say it was a piece of cake? How did we win Asia Cup and how did we become third at Hockey World League finals? Because of bad connection? Now, this gets so confusing. We were talking about cheese, we were talking about dal and rice, and now we're talking about cake. Uh, it's a smorgasbord, my friend. Oh, beautiful. And it's a smorgasbord of smorgasbord from Sherd Marine, yeah? Well, it's interesting that a former international player is saying the team mental fitness is, is the key. That's, that's a really interesting statement for him to make. And you know what? When you looked at them on the Gold Coast, and what was the tournament before the Gold Coast? Sultan of Aslan? They, they are flaky. Show, yeah. They are flaky at that part of the game. If that's, if that's where India has a failing. Flaky? What, like pastry? Exactly Good. like pastry. Okay, just yep, yep. keep it going. Wrapped around a nice filling. Paneer? Cheese? Maybe well. Um, Cheese pie. Neil Witherton jumped, jumped in into the, um, <laughs> the conversation there. Unbelievable question, but also an unbelievable statement from a player, if it is to be believed. Sure, you'd be welcome with open arms in England, but can I just check if you eat fish and chips? <laughs> Hashtag ketchup, not mayo. You know, and there's a whole new problem there. Oh, definitely. Well, uh, now you're getting into the fried food area, aren't you? This isn't very healthy for a hockey player. Uh, it, it's just an interesting conversation to go through. Some some people making some good points, and you know, someone answering here simple. Here's Indian, and you are not. Is is that is that the simple answer to Indian hockey? Do you think? Well, if if it was, why why do, why is there a constant search for coaches from outside of the country, and why do we hear that there's lack of support for coaches inside the country? Um, yeah, it's not diet based, is it? Oh, look, you know, I must admit I'm glad India's a part of the hockey family because it provides us with hours of entertainment every week. And I'm not sure if the Indian people themselves find it as entertaining as I do, but it's almost like a soap opera. I find this quite interesting, one of the comments. Um, 
from Arvind Bihal uh, diet of journalists lack protein as journalists forgot that all players from this diverse nation themselves have their own different language and food also journalists believe they hold right to judge and media trial and that's exactly right there the diverse nation has different languages different food uh, vegetarianism veganism there's meat eaters there's all the you know anything you could experience for um, what people like to eat or from their beliefs you're going to find it there in India aren't you so it it seems a bit of a daft question but like we said it's very interesting that uh this has got Sheard's goat. Goat, goat curry? Tasty. Goat curry? Yeah, just another goat curry. So, finally, final word on this. Yeah. Where do you stand on this whole subject? I'm, uh, I'm just waiting for dessert, mate. Oh, Okay, fair enough. I'm, I'm, I'm going to state my case here. I'm definitely a cheese man. Hopefully. Have you ever had rice on a hamburger? Uh, no, but I've had the, you know, a, a vegetarian kind of, you know, a burger thing with rice. Rice in yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think uh, the comments are stupid from the journalist, and eventually he will get his just desserts. Oh, you've been waiting for that, haven't you? Bit of feedback time, because we've had a couple of bits of feedback, haven't we? We have. We have had some feedback. First and foremost, thanks so much for everyone who's got in touch on the socials at The Reverse Stick Facebook, Twitter and Instagram um, saying how much they enjoyed episode 51 and yeah, uh, episode 50 um, so you. lots of really positive feedback there and hopefully that kind of forum is something we'll Been continue to explore the two episodes have featured lots of other people talking and not us isn't yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, get the hint yeah we got, we got a couple of bits of feedback to get through there was uh, the hockey calendar feedback Yep, um, uh, Baggy, um, TRS World 11, thanks so much for your considered and lengthy um, response. Um, some, some of the, it, it, he was largely in agreement with the principles of the, that we spoke about. Um, now, of course, um, as soon as the episode went out, there was comment from Ernst Bart, and you can go to Ernst's uh, Facebook page on his Twitter page, bhockey.com. He has a calendar there that he that he's worked on, but it doesn't suit everyone. Um, and doesn't necessarily take into account. Is it, isn't Ernst Bart a calendar of events that are actually happening? Yeah, no, there, there, there is that hockeytoday.cc forward slash calendar that you can subscribe to, and you can also add stuff to that. But it doesn't. It's there's a lot of the international stuff on there, but not yep. not for everything. But there's also he did he did post oh, back in 2014, 15 on bhockey.com um, some suggestions for the domestic versus international calendar and how that that would suit everyone now Baggy got in touch and said he liked the idea but there are certain situations and in particular the university system um, in the UK and in in Scotland that it doesn't quite marry up with the traditional hockey season or in some places the traditional hockey season has been sort of twisted around to match up with those university you know for example there's exams on and that sort of thing there might be some weekends that are missed for everybody just to fit into the, the university regime so and he feels quite passionate about that because their club is born out of ex-university friends and that's been the sort of the genesis of, of hockey for, for his club. Um, there's going to be people that are going to miss out and going to be upset and it's not going to suit everyone, is it? No, it's not. And, and that's what's going to happen when you make what would appear to be a radical change. A revolution. Uh, potentially, yes. Potentially. But look, I'm, I will be putting up a, a, a model. I'll, 
incorporate some of Ernst's ideas, actually, but we'll, of course, acknowledge them as being his. Um, I think if, if we've got at least something that we can talk about and discuss and it's out there, perhaps it might be something people go, you know what, for a little bit of short-term pain, it might be some long-term gain in there. Yeah, well, this is it's it's one that's going to play out, isn't it? I, I I'm constantly having conversations with people about uh, the future of, the, of where we're going with this, where we're going with that, and uh, we just want a bit of clear definition, and we don't want everybody trying to do their own thing, left, right, and centre, trying to reinvent the wheel because it's just absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? No, I agree with you totally. Um, you know, I, I did speak to a couple of people the other night, so I, I had a, a celebratory so evening at, 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 our, at our club. 85 years old, our had, birthday. That's right, 85 years, um, and it was wonderful, and there was some quite um, revelationary stuff that uh, came out of some of my conversations that I had, so uh, I can't really say too much about some of the chats because uh, they can have a big impact on the future of hockey here and, and across Australia and you know potentially the world, but some exciting stuff, and it's nice to know that not everybody is um, following the same path that perhaps uh, Others na- national associations want them to. Okay. On that note, can we just because uh, I know that you have something you want to have a whinge about. I don't know if you know that I'm going to bring it up, but we are going to talk about it. Oh, okay. And at the same time, promote. Hashtag live stream hockey. If you've got some live hockey going on, you should hashtag live stream hockey and it'll appear on a list that will be go around the world. Lots of people globally will see it. That's it. If there's going to be a market there to watch some live streams, then wouldn't you want to provide the opportunity to the widest possible market to, to watch it? Especially when you consider it doesn't cost you any money. Just one hashtag Three simple words, live stream hockey. And I've been in touch with quite a few. Shall, shall we cite an example here, especially considering some of the correspondence we had from a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, well, let's do it. Um, tonight, I've just said, oh, I wonder if there's uh, any of that South Australian Super League happening yeah. this evening. Um, I'll just go and check the, the Facebook page. Uh, lo and behold... There was a live game of their men's South Australian Super League taking place this evening. The post from Hockey South Australia, and I must stress, this is not us bagging South Australian hockey. But it's an example. But it's, it's, it's an example, and it's an example that hopefully the gent, Darren, that we spoke to, well, we were in touch with last week and we talked about last week's show, is listening again this week and recognises that we're talking about South Australian hockey again, but we're not bagging you. But guys... Here's, here's what you've posted on Facebook. Men's Statewide Super League is live. Watch as the Western Pirates take on the Eastern Saints. Now also live on YouTube. Hashtag HSA Super League. Hashtag Play to Thrill. Hashtag Who's Bloody Watching. Oh no, that's sorry. That, no, that's not there. Um, hashtag What the Hell Does That Mean? Do, do you want to promote your games? Or do you just want it to be available for, for the local market? Now, that's pretty well, restrictive. What's the population here, of South Australia? Can we just say here, this isn't about putting hashtag live stream hockey necessarily, although we'd like you to, and we could have helped spread it out a lot further than it would have got off just your Facebook post. But it, it, it hasn't included anybody who operates in the social media platforms of hockey to try and expand the audience. That's right. I mean, there's no hockey family, there's no self-pass, there's how many other people... The hockey paper, hockey world news... news. You know, none of those... Yeah. It's... 
that's how you, we get the sport growing. And and we've got a hockey family that are happy to to do the work and and promote and exactly and just you know something simple like at the hockey live on Twitter and Facebook and hashtag live stream hockey. I don't think I don't know how we can make the message any clearer. Uh, and this this goes the same for international streams. Um, you know, over the weekend we promoted uh, Spanish streams that were coming out. There was yeah. stuff out of, of South America in, in Cochabamba, really but yeah, it was difficult. Fight, but but um, there was Hockey Victoria games. There was uh, league games in Singapore. Um, yeah. There was um, some the last few games in in Germany. I think Ullenhorst uh, had some. So UTC had had some had some stuff up. Um, now it's hard enough trying to find those streams anyway as a hockey lover that's a bit of a nerd and wants to know when these games are going on. Let's make it simple for everybody. Exactly. You can't look beyond the hockey market if you can't even get it delivered to the bloody hockey market. Um, just. Hashtag live stream hockey. Tell your clubs, tell your associations. Um, it's a real easy win, boys and girls. A really easy win. Let's get on board with it. And you know what? If you're not a fan of the reverse stick for whatever particular reason... Maybe we bagged your state association. Or something like that. Don't put live stream hockey as your hashtag. Put the hockey family. Or... Get it out to yeah. people. A who hockey can world, the word drag yeah. flick, uh, yeah. any of the big players that gets lo- get lots of eyes on their uh, on their content. Um, but it'd be really nice if you put hashtag livestream hockey on there as well. Yeah, because we're going to make we're going to make millions you. of dollars oh, out of it. Millions. millions. Yeah. Oh, it's going to make us so oh, rich. Have you seen our Google account? <laughs> <laughs> I think we earned three dollars forty seven on adverts over the past three months. Yeah. Um, coming up next week. Uh, Jade Bloomfield's back from Hockey World cool. News previewing the next one uh, and we're going to be speaking to one of the Costa Rican boys from Salamanca in Mexico see ya mate see ya Well, thanks for sticking around to the end of the Reverse Stick podcast. Those astute listeners would have realised that, of course, that we forgot to tell you how you could win our competition prize this week, the signed Spanish women's uh, hockey pennant. Um, it's a great little prize, great memorabilia for those that love their hockey gear. All you've got to do is like, share and retweet, so either on Facebook or on Twitter, um, the details of episode 52, the one you've just listened to now. If you do that, everybody will go into a draw, which we'll pick next week, and uh, we'll get it out to a winner pretty soon. Thanks for sticking around.